Good morning and welcome to start the week um, with Lorna and Lottie. Uh, we have Lottie in the red corner and Lorna over there in the blue corner. Lorna, ready! <laughs> Lottie, ready! Yeah, gladiators, mate. Honestly, gladiators are back, um, <laughs> catapulted back to my youth, sitting with my brother on our boxing glove shaped beanbags over at my dad's house where Saturday late afternoon early evening meant gladiators followed by a team followed by Knight Rider um happy days <laughs> anyway I love gladiators and it's back and it's brilliant anyway this is this is start the week with Lorna and Lottie where we chat <laughs> culture communications change leadership and coaching this is episode numero nine um where we're going to chat about the power of storytelling and um chat for the next 20 minutes or so kind of noodling on why it took an itv show to catapult the 20-year post office scandal that had been rumbling on into the public consciousness with such force aren't we Lorna? We really are and we're going to try our best to keep this within our 25 minute limit because my goodness could we talk about this for 700 weeks at least. Yeah, yeah it's it's amazing you know what what's so interesting is that you know you and I have become utterly obsessed with this um, we can endlessly just WhatsApping each other various articles that, that we see. Anyway, I was reading this weekend that actually writing about the post office scandal was nothing new. Everyone from um, Private Eye, BBC, a little tiny yeah. magazine called Computer Weekly, you know, media outlets have been slowly chipping away at this story for almost 20 years. Along came Mr Bates versus the post office and it has exploded into public mm. consciousness and galvanised action, the likes of which I'm not sure we've we've seen before. No, no. Um, millions and millions of people tuned in to watch it. And obviously because of our, the streaming nature of television these days, they will get millions and millions more um, continuing to watch it. So um, it's incredible, isn't it? That, as you say, people have been writing about it um, reporting on it for decades but what hasn't happened until this year is somebody telling the story of it in such an artful um, and human way that it managed to just cut through and connect with so many people yeah. so deeply. Cut I through, walking, yeah, I was walking around everywhere I go I was walking I went on a, a walk yesterday um, and a lake in Milton Keynes. I was walking around and passing me the other way with two women with their dogs saying, well, they're never going to have jobs again. They're not going to have a pension. Some of them have been sent to prison. And it was immediately obvious they were talking about the sub postmasters. So it's really captured the imagination of the whole country in a way. Yeah, and not just capture the imagination, galvanise people into action. And I think this is what's so interesting and what we're going to go on to be talking about is the power of a story to not only capture the imagination, not only to play to hearts and minds, but also to make people do stuff. I mean, there was a petition, petition that went around immediately, that petition that was doing the rounds on social media to get um, Paula Venel stripped of her CBE. You know, it mm -hmm. then went up to government, all the debates happening in government, all the new legislation that Rishi Sunak is looking to pass to um, mm -hmm. uh, 
um to 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 um what's the word i'm looking for when exonerate you, the thank you very much thank you my my clever my clever colleague exonerate <laughs> um it's it's galvanized people into action and that is the real power of storytelling incredible really isn't it when you think about it and i think some people are sort of really struggling with but that's so unfair why is it so but it's just human nature it is it's actually in our evolutionary dna to respond to a story i always say that human beings are meaning making machines we we need to make meaning of the world around us and stories are just the purest way for us to do that in whatever format yeah and you you picked up on some really lovely techniques during the the show that really helped um create those um those kind of images and and feelings really stir those emotions in people didn't you yeah i mean the the storytelling and the the dramatic techniques in mr bates versus the post office are just they're they're excellent they're really excellent one of the reasons that they're excellent is because some of them are so so subtle so the whole thing opens with Susanna, who's Alan's wife, talking to um, a customer in the post office about knitting. So that's a shorthand immediately for this is a safe, cosy, human, normal person, just like your auntie or your gran, maybe. And then you cut very quickly to a shot of four dark cars driving through the streets of Langdudno and out of them gets this group of men in long dark coats like the mafia. And that phrase actually has been repeated in the press recently. You hear it as first hand from the sub postmasters. It felt like the mafia coming into their their homes and that shorthand in the story with the costume and what's in shot and the script and what's being said immediately juxtaposes are sub postmasters surrounded by scones and teapots and chintz and villages and the corporate environment of Fujitsu and the post office with their dark suits and shiny offices. So you immediately feel these people are human. Those that's a that's a scary kind of clinical environment all the way through to that heartbreaking scene where Angela Vanden Bogard is sitting on the sofa talking to Gina, who's the wife of the man who who um, died by suicide. So lots and lots of juxtaposition of these two groups with lots of rich visual Im imagery. One that really stands out for me, Lottie, is a shot towards the very end where you've got Alan and Suzanne sitting in, standing in their anoraks at the foot of the Welsh Valleys and they look tiny. And the Welsh Valleys just expand out in this majestic scene in front of them. And you really see the David v Goliath metaphor that the story is telling the whole way through. You get the sense of how tiny they are and how much they've managed, they were up against and how much they've managed to change. Then you've got some stuff that comes through in the story, things that we all connect with, a useless helpline sitting on your sofa, swearing at the telly. And then the other thing that they do so brilliantly is they build tension in this story. So you see the little sinister horizon machine beeping in the corner of the office in behind the desk. You see... Um, Sam's mental health decline so poorly to the point when you then see it kind of climax with her electroconvulsive therapy. You see Michael's mental decline happen and it's painful. You know what's going to happen. And then he 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 dies by suicide. And so all of these narrative techniques in terms of the tension, the visual imagery, the juxtaposition, the richness of character through everything you see and hear, makes people connect 
with the story in ways that we don't even realize we're, we're doing until we find ourselves crying halfway through an episode yeah that's it you know and the neuroscience backs all this up you know doesn't it you know our brains are actually wired to remember experiences experiences trigger emotion which are then stored and consolidated in our lasting memory emotions generated by experiences actually tell our brains that they're important to remember and we've long talked about the fact that in the corporate space emotional engagement is four times more powerful than rational in driving behavior there's a really great um, neuroscientist that I've actually listened to on Radio 4 and then followed up subsequently. She's called Tally Sherrott. And mm-hmm. she argues that as humans, we're strangely resistant to being convinced by facts and data, which is kind of why the story didn't actually end up no. permeating until it was told the story, because it would have just been reported as facts and figures and information. She says that science and facts are good to find the truth. And they're just not enough to convey the truth. She's got a really good book called The Influential Mind that I've I've got to get hold of and read. And she argues that the story is one of the most powerful influences on our behaviour. Facts alone, she writes, overlooks the core, which is what you've just said, what makes us human. Our fears, our desires, our prior beliefs. To make a change, we must tap into these motives, presenting information in a frame that emphasises exactly what you've just said, common beliefs triggers hopes and expands people's sense of urgency i mean it's almost as if she'd written that post <laughs> mr bates versus the post office it's amazing isn't it and it tells you the skill that those itv um, producers and screenwriters and actors have got to put all of that together nothing wasn't deliberate starts the very first shot that you have in um, mr bates versus the post office is a snow globe And everyone associates snow globes with innocence, childhood. It's a snow globe of Wales. Um, There's a film called Citizen Kane where he also has a snow globe and it signifies the innocence of his childhood versus the corporate monster that he has now become. Mm. It's shorthand all the way through. Really, really brilliant storytelling. I could wang on about this for 700 years. I'm not going to. Shall we start to put it into some context? Yeah, let's, you know, because we we know that still most organisations rely on facts, figures, dry data, rational communication to try and communicate. You know, and though we know, again, it's important in decision making, but it's actually not the way to engage your people. Then a bit more research. Um, there was... Um, piece of research done where the same audience was filmed being on the receiving end of two types of communication. The first type of communication was faxed, PowerPoint slides, graphs, data. They filmed the audiences. They then filmed the audiences on the receiving end of the same information, but presented in a visual narrative style. Surprise, surprise, when they were on the receiving end of the former, they were actively disengaging. When they were on the receiving end of the latter, they actively engaged. Um, I saw this myself. I was presenting on the power of um, effective communication to a global automotive manufacturer, their commercial department. And the MD was on first and I was following him. And he stood there, surprise, surprise, and did his PowerPoint slides, his graphs, his pie charts. And I thought, actually, I'm going to see whether the research that I've read actually bears out in reality. And I watched his team. And obviously, he was a boss. They were trying so hard to be engaged, but they were fiddling with their pens. They were really struggling to look 
engaged and I was a bit nervous because I was following him on telling him actually that um the way that he was presenting I didn't realize he was going to present like that but really you know my 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 talk was talking about how the way you present in that way actively disengages and is pretty rubbish for disseminating information and you should be talking in a more narrative style and he did actually come up to me afterwards and say that um he'd really rethink he's going to rethink the way he presented in the light what I said um so it's I mean even um Jeff Bezos he's he's banned PowerPoint and I know you absolutely hate PowerPoint so I know you you and Jeff are totally aligned on this one 100 spirits move over Lauren um (laughs) <laughs> no, I I can't bear it. I would I would happily chuck PowerPoint in the bin. Why didn't I chuck it in the bin last year? I don't know. It's true. Um. So yeah, his he said to his team, no more bullet points on a screen. We have to collaborate um and learn through storytelling. Now it does sniff a little bit of kind of him jumping on a bit of a bandwagon. I think storytelling has become a bit of a bandwagon in organisations, and it's really um. We'll get into this in a minute, but I think it's fascinating how we're trying to sort of shoehorn in storytelling techniques and, and technical skills to very corporate environments. And we'll talk in a bit about why that might not always work. But, yeah, it's this is a world where connections matter more than ever. Stories are so important to us. They kind of they're in our DNA, our evolutionary DNA, as we said before, and they build bridges between us. Well, and also we're and we are and we are all natural storytellers. I think this is you know the the thing the thing that we miss is that we've been telling stories for as long as we've been able to talk. This is yeah. the way we make connections. So why don't we make them seamless and integrated and natural in our corporate communications? Well, I have a theory. Mm-hmm. I love I love your theories, Lorna. <laughs> My theory is um, we there's lots of you talk a lot about corporate armor. Mm. We and that corporate armor is a bit of a shorthand for professionalism, restraint, conformity, not sticking your neck out, not being lack too, of authenticity. Too, um, yeah, and lo- lack of authenticity, kind of trying to fit in, and in trying to fit in, you become sort of quite, quite bland and grey and corporate, and you try, and of course you try and fit, try and fit in. So you see all the data and the graphs and the powerpoints, and you then do the data and the graphs and powerpoints. Um, but and, and that's where you feel safe. Yes. And we because you're fitting in because it's safer yeah. to fit in because we've yeah. already talked about yeah. last week with humans and, and groups and um, and conformity. So it we implicitly tell people in organisations that to be professional in a corporate environment is not to be human in lots of messy human ways. And one yes. of our core human things is storytelling. Mm. So actually, what I my theory is we don't need to teach people how to do storytelling. Everyone, my three-year-old goddaughter told me a brilliant story apropos of nothing having a, a cup of tea yesterday doesn't you don't need to teach it it's there in our DNA it's innate. we just have lost the ability to be able to integrate it into our workplace we don't feel we've got permission to behave in that way so we just need to strip away the stuff that's holding us back from telling the brilliant stories yeah. we just need to give create the conditions for people to feel they can be enough for themselves to bring that brilliant storyteller out yeah I mean it's like when we when when we run our we run off sites for clients often around the, the topic of um values and, and culture and one of the things that we always seek to do is is we get we get the attendees to tell stories of their values in action told through whichever medium they want to tell them 
And at the beginning, they're horrified. At the beginning, they always, always say to us, I'm not creative. I can't tell a story. How am I going to do that? And at the end, I mean, it's nothing short of transformational. How at the end, they've come up with these these stories. And A, they've had the best fun. And B, they're so surprised that yeah. they've been able to be so creative. And I'm always like, your creativity is innate within you. You've just shed it at your corporate right. door and just embrace it. Yeah. And we see them, you know, wearing wigs, recording TikToks, doing raps, painting pictures. And believe me, you know, you and we well, don't you don't need to believe me, but listeners believe me, you know, the people that we work with don't work in the creative industries all of no, the time. It's the complete opposite. So it is inherently in us. And because it's inherently in us, we do it actually without realising you have a moan at the water cooler with a colleague. You're telling a story. Um, you go home to your family and talk about your commute. You're telling a story. It's in you. It's just how you choose to to do it and the, the environments that you believe you can and you can't. Yeah. And you absolutely can in every environment. So, Lottie, how can leaders, organisations, people in business use story? What are the billion and one ways well, that this can happen? Well, I guess you start at the top with leadership. And it's getting leadership really importantly. And this is a project we're just about to embark on with a client, Lorna, aren't we? Telling your story of change, your strategic narrative, as it's called in corporate terms. But we like to call it your brand story, where you've come from, where you're going and the part that everyone has to play in making that purpose come to light. Um, and so it, it's about being able to shape, you know, in the same way as brands tell stories externally, yeah. In the same way, and they tell stories externally because they know all that neuroscience stuff that we've just banged on about. And so it's about using some of those techniques internally to shape your corporate story. And, you know, I've, I've got a lovely, I mean, I was talk about storytelling in, in organisations like a tapestry. And you've got this beautiful tapestry or this beautiful quilt. And your organisational story is made up of lots of patches of this quilt. And you sew all those patches together, you know, customer stories, employee stories, success stories, um, your heritage, your legacy, your goals, your ambitions, your purpose in the world, the way you want to make a difference. And you sew all these patches of a quilt together and you've got this kind of ever growing, ever evolving, beautiful narrative that you can then tell through myriad ways. But you've got this core story that you can keep adding to and developing and integrating as many stories from across the organisation into this narrative um and it's a and it's a really really effective way for leaders to begin to tell that broad story of, of of the organization you know and equally leaders should infuse their presentations with personal stories stories of triumph you know where they've come from um stories of challenge and adversity stories of success um mm -hmm. you know pers real personal intimate stories to help make that connection between themselves and their people yeah yeah, it's interesting you talk about purpose because I think um, having a clear purpose was something that came through really um, strongly in the um, Mr. Bates versus the post office drama. Um, at one point, he's, he turns to his wife and he says he's just listens to another sub postmaster tell the story of how her terribly she's been treated. She's absolutely distraught. And he turns to his wife and said, if I ever decide to give this up, remind me of Pat. And, you know, his his purpose is so clear, so clear. And we see that purpose in the way the story is told. It's brought to life so beautifully. So yeah. absolutely sharing purpose, knitting together lots of different stories Spec. in one singular 
um kind of entity in anthology um, anthology yes. of, for the for the for the organization sharing the vision and purpose leaders communicating using personal stories also i've seen it work really well where you highlight employees achievements milestones experiences how you connect maybe very diverse groups of employees to each other imagine if in the post office at head office the people who were going out to do the investigations with post with postmasters had heard some stories about what it was like to be a, po- a sub postmaster had heard stories from the front line stories from the front line are gold dust yeah i love Being that nice are gold dust they create organizational compassion and empathy and they help bridge, bridge the gap between people in head office and people who are out in the field as well, which we know so often there's that kind of disconnect. And that was clear to see in in the post office um, story. Yeah. And it's why it pisses me off when sometimes in change programmes we talk about creating personas in a very clinical way, because what you're really talking about is bringing to life the people who are impacted by what's going on, the people who are part of this change, which they did so incredibly well. Those sub postmasters were brought to life so richly and clearly for us, so vividly were they were they painted by the by the storytellers that they they weren't personas. In fact, I would argue that um, you know Paula Venels and the leadership would were were kind of pen portrait personas. They were two dimensional, whereas they were full three dimensional. So you can really bring your employee stories to life. And if you think about inclusion, belonging, diversity around shared um, beliefs, not necessarily yeah. demographics. Yeah, you've shared in the past, and and it always blows my mind. Um, Apple have got a corp their corporate um CSR report for um a previous. Oh, that's year. well, well that's very well watching. Story. Yeah, beautiful story. One thing that I always, always talk about when I get onto this topic is onboarding orientation training. So the best ever training I ever, ever had was more than 25 years ago when I was a waitress at TGI Fridays. And I was walked around the physical environment at TGI's being told the story of not really the history of the of the organisation, but the story of how we do things around here, what's important to us, why things matter. So. Above every bar in a TGI Fridays is a set of as a propeller because the bar is the hub of the restaurant. You need to keep the bar fueled, keep the bar going because the bartenders can't escape from the bar. The waiters and waitresses have to keep them stocked up with ice and drinks and so on and so forth. But that because it's the hub. There's always a swan in every TGI Fridays because you have to be calm on the surface and paddling underneath. Twenty five years ago, I remember these values and behaviours which are practical values and behaviours, because they were told in the visuals of the physical environment of that organisation and used in the storytelling of the training and orientation that then um, everybody went through. So, so powerful. Yeah. Really powerful. And we don't do it. In fact, lots of other restaurants looked at TGIs and went, oh, they look a bit quirky. They look a bit fun. I'll do some wacky stuff inside and decorate it similarly. And they missed the point. They missed the point, which was that that organisation was telling the story of their values, culture and behaviours yeah. through the physical environment, the visual but cues. That's a really important point you make, though. You've, your stories have got to be authentic. They've got to be based on truths in the same way as advertising is based on truths that matter. You've got to yeah. bring 
the truth about your organisation to light in a positive way through the stories you tell. And finally, probably the only thing I'd add to that is the importance of getting customer stories and bringing those customer stories from the outside into your organisation as well to help that make that connection, especially for people who aren't necessarily customer facing, to help them make that connection between the work that they do and the impact that they have on their customers' lives. Yeah, completely. I had a, a, the privilege of um, working with um, a very well-known public organisation recently who brought um, uh, um, one of the chief justices of the UK into their um, into their or into their team away day, and they told the story of the people who were really impacted by the work that they do, the customers at the front end of it. In the room, you could have kind of heard a pin drop, and this lady was a very distinguished barrister, but she was an incredible storyteller because barristers are. And she told the story in such simple, human, evocative terms that you couldn't help but connect. And, and you could see the shift in the room of people just completely understanding. That's why we're here. That's yeah. why we're here. That's why we do what we do. Amazing. Yeah, brilliant. Amazing. I think, you know, and I, so I think starting to wrap it up, I just want people to know that emotional, again, it, Emotional engagement is four times more powerful than rational in driving behaviour. And what we want to do internally with our audience is, in, is engage them and drive the right kind of positive behaviour. Stories can be used seamlessly, naturally, authentically. We're all natural storytellers into an organisation to really help with some of those um, some of those some of those big issues that you need that you need to be communicating please don't do graphs please don't do data please be please be brave and see what happens when you try and communicate with your audience your internal audience using a more narrative and visual style yeah absolutely and pay attention to the stories that you're already telling in the organization go out and listen to them yeah pay attention to them you'd be surprised how many you're already telling day in day out that's it that's it brilliant okay that's lovely so next week um we are doing the third of our three parts on mr bates versus the post office and um we're going to have a special guest aren't we we are going to have an actual former sub postmaster i believe yeah to tell their story of their time at the post office and some reflections from the inside because what do you and I really know we weren't living it right educating so let's see what it was really really like brilliant well thank you my lovely glad thank you gladiator I'm going to call you what's like what should we should have gladiator names let's have gladiator names by next week we'll have thought of our gladiator names my gladiator name today would be mm, Oh. <laughs> caffeine I think caffeine caffeine it's gonna be a one word hasn't it two syllables yeah well I'm I'm, I'm gonna keep our readers our readers not that we've got readers Charlotte what are you doing <laughs> we're going to keep our listeners hanging on for what my gladiatorial name is going to be for next week um all will be revealed along with our, our special guest. So look, looking forward to it. Um, and thank you as ever, my lovely Lorna, for a truly enlightening chat. And I look forward to catching up um, again on our podcast next week. Loved it. Happy Monday, Lottie. Speak soon. Bye bye.